And uh, that's because of your generosity. And we're grateful for it. And, um, you know, I'll say what I said last week, that when you sow seeds financially here at Cross Timbers, it's planted in good soil, and it produces a good harvest. And uh, one of these days we'll get to heaven, and you'll get to see all the stories and meet all the people that had an impact on their lives because of your giving, you know. And I'm committed this year uh, to sharing more of these stories so that you can see how your generosity is really impacting uh, the kingdom and Denton County and families in Argyle. Other thing I wanted to tell you about was uh, our healing place. You know, if you're new with us and you don't know what that is, it's, as they said a few times, it's free counseling. And counseling is expensive, you know. Uh, but because of your giving, we're able to provide that resource for free. And if it's something you want to get connected with, uh, then you can. It's really easy. You can text HEALING to 77453. Uh, or our Healing Place team is in the lobby today, and they would love to chat with you and talk about how they can get you in to see one of their many coaches and counselors, okay? So uh, today's Super Bowl. How many of you are rooting for the 49ers? All right. How many of you are rooting for Taylor Swift? That's what I thought. <laughs> How many of you just found out that today is the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, several of you. Don't even know, don't even care. Go Taylor Swift's boyfriend, right? Well, speaking of Taylor Swift, we are in a series on money. How about that transition? And uh, more specifically, we are talking about giving our money away. And I am challenging you in the month of February to build a habit of giving something somewhere. Uh, because 2 Corinthians 9 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Look at this, after you decide what to give in your heart, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. So I'm leading you on a journey. If you were with us last week, I said I like to be really clear and upfront whenever we're talking about money. I don't like to feel manipulated when someone's speaking about where I should give my money to. And so I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm leading you on a journey to give 10%. But really, it's more than 10%. Uh, I believe the, the principles of the Bible in Jesus' teaching is constantly going back to going above and beyond what is expected of us. Let me explain that a little better. See, we're under a new law, a new covenant, a law of love and mercy and grace. It's based off relationship and not rules or regulations. And when something is based off a relationship, you don't just do the bare minimum or what is expected of you. If you want a healthy relationship, you go above and beyond. Ten years ago, I signed a legal document in marriage that made me and Alex one. And in front of a lot of people that we care about, 
we said our vows. And our vows uh, said that I would be faithful to Alex, that I would stay with her until death, even if we're poor, even if we're sick. But can you imagine with me for a second if my love for her stopped there? Like if I said, I'm not picking up the kids today. That's not my job. My only job is to not cheat on you. It's my only job. Or I'm, I'm not helping with, with chores around the house because that's not my job. My only job is to stay with you even if we're broke. What, a, what an awful relationship that would be. And it's the same way with our relationship with Christ. There, there's principles that are taught and commands that are given and instructions to heed. But in a lot of times, that, that's just the cost of following Christ. But then now let's build a healthy relationship. In fact, Jesus speaks to this uh, in his famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. He has a line that he says over and over again. And his line is, you have heard it said, that's the expectation, but I say unto you, that's above and beyond. And so he gives a few examples. He says, you've heard it said, don't murder, bare minimum. But I tell you, don't even be angry. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, Jesus says, don't even lust. It's a step further. You've heard it said, don't break an oath. But I tell you, don't even make an oath. Just let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye. But I tell you, forgive. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love everybody and pray for your enemies. You see what Jesus is doing here? He's getting us to go one step further. In fact, he gives an example as well that during this time there was a Roman law that said if a Roman soldier stopped a Jew in the streets and asked the Jew to carry their armor and their sword and their equipment, then the Jew was legally um, required to carry that one mile. And the Jews despised the Romans because of this law because they would abuse it and use it all the time. Jesus says, if a Roman soldier ever stopped and asked you, don't just carry it one mile, carry it two miles. Surprise them. Go above and beyond. You getting the idea behind Jesus' teaching here that this is not about just doing the bare minimum, it's about having a healthy, thriving relationship with God, and I believe the same applies to our giving as well. Now, lucky for you, I'm not quite there in the teachings, yet I'm going to talk more about that in October when we do our third series on this in tithing and giving above and beyond. Today and in this series, I'm simply just talking about giving something somewhere. It doesn't even have to be Cross Timbers Church. I just want us to get in the habit. I'd love for you to give to Cross Timbers Church. I might be biased, but I think we're an incredible organization in church to give to. And as you're seeing in the stories, there's fruit that comes from those seeds that are sown. But my goal is that we are just a generous church. That's my goal. And two weeks ago, Toby taught, and I stood up on stage and I said, I need you to come in February because I think this is the most important series that I'll do this year. And I got in the car and Alex said, 
well, February better be good because you really hyped it up. And I said, now, wait a second. I didn't say that you were going to like this series, and I didn't even say it was going to be a good series. I just said it was the most important series, and I really do believe that. Because I could have, look, I could have chosen 100 verses to get this point across, but look at this. 1 John 3.16 says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And see, I have a, a dream that may be crazy, but it's a dream that Cross Timbers Church would be known for their generosity. And I don't want to be the biggest church or the best church or the wealthiest church, but I absolutely want to be the most generous church. Because I don't want to just come here and sing some songs and hear an encouraging word once a week. Man, I want to get out of the seats and into the streets, and I want to feed the, the hungry and shelter the homeless and clothe the naked and see marriages restored and minister to families and really love our neighbors through our actions. But for us to do that, we have to learn how to be generous. So last week, I talked about how generosity is pleasing to the Lord. And this week, I'm talking about how generosity is obedient to the Lord. Everybody say obedient. Now, some of you just cringed when you said that word. Because let's be honest, like level 10 here, the word obedient or obedience is like it's a major turnoff for us. We do not like that word. Uh, in our culture today, obedience can be synonymous with captivity. We don't want that. We want to be free. If you don't believe me, husbands, go home and tell your wives they need to be more obedient. Let me know how that works out for you. Come tell me about it if you're still alive, you know. We don't like that word. And so that's where if I'm going to talk about obedience, we have to shift our perspective on what obedience to the Lord is. And I'm not talking about obedience to anyone or anything else other than God the Father. And you need to write this down. Listen, obedience leads to freedom. Obedience leads to freedom. And everybody wants freedom. Obedience leads to freedom. Look at what David wrote in Psalms 119. He says, I will keep obeying your instructions forever and over ever. I will walk in freedom. Why? Because I have devoted myself to your commands. James 1.25 says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So, so, so the, the way that you can flip this and say it a negative way is disobedience leads to bondage. Now, let me break this down for you for a second, okay? A couple of things. Number one, 
This is a spiritual principle. It will not and does not make sense in the world's, world's eyes. It's kind of like how um, forgiving some, someone, like your enemy, forgiving somebody doesn't make sense. Or, or how about praying for your enemies, as Jesus said? But that, that doesn't make sense. But it's the same way. It, obedience leads to freedom only makes sense if you look at it through spiritual eyes because spiritual freedom is not getting to do whatever you want whenever you want. It's the absence of a foreign domination. It's the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. It's not being held in bondage by your flesh or your selfish desires. Living in freedom is like living a life of abundance, your best life or, or life to the fullest, as Jesus says. It's freedom from guilt, freedom from sin, free from shame, insecurity, lust, envy, discontentment. I mean, who doesn't want that? The whole reason that God gave the Israelites commandments in the first place was so that they wouldn't end up in captivity like they had been for the past 400 years. And so we obey the commandments of God so he can lead us into a life of freedom. It's kind of like this is low-hanging fruit, but it's, it's a lot like my children and when I tell them, hey, don't touch the hot stove, I'm not enslaving them to a life of rules and regulations. I'm trying to keep them free from pain. Uh, getting them to brush their teeth at night is like negotiating with terrorists, right? But it's not because I'm a dictator. It's because I'm trying to keep them free from cavities. And I always think back on the story of the Israelites and how they were leaving Egypt and God gave them a cloud to follow during the day and a pillar of fire to follow during night. And God said, follow me. Come with me. And he was leading them. He was trying to lead them out of slavery. Did it uh, require them to leave what they know? Yes. Did it require unconditional obedience? Yes. Is it going to require some type of, of discomfort? Yes. Did they complain about it? Yeah, but he was leading them to a better place. So we got to understand that, that obedience to the Lord is not signing yourself up for captivity. Obedience leads to freedom. So now that we understand that obedience is a good thing. Let me show you some scripture around this word obedience, okay? I'm going to read you um, five verses. Isaiah 1 says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. John 15, 14 says, you are my friends. Jesus said this. You're considered my friend if you do what I command. Luke eleven twenty eight. It says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. John 8, 51 says, very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. And then Psalms 112 says, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. So I, I know that there's 
a lot of um, what, what some people would call like prosperity gospel teachings out there. And uh, it can be manipulative and it's wrong in a lot of ways. And so this is kind of a sticky subject. But hear me on this. I, like I'm not making this crap up. This is just the Bible that I'm trying to teach here. Listen, there is a clear connection between obeying the Lord and living a blessed life. And I'm not saying it's always materialistic, and I'm not saying it's always financial, but there's obviously a blessing there. So, so if that offends you in any way, like, I'm sorry, but when I read the Word of God, what I see over and over and over again is that if I'm willing to listen to His commandments and consistently doing what He tells me to do, my life goes better. My life goes way better. And I've been on both sides of it. And I'm telling you, like, you never know what God will do in your life through your obedience. Some of you are here today, and you're praying that God will perform a miracle in your life, and that miracle is just on the other side of obedience. There's a story um, after Jesus' resurrection, uh, he kind of went into hiding, and the disciples were really frustrated and scared and felt lonely. And so Peter and some of the other disciples said, we're going to go fishing because we always go back to what we know whenever we're in a season of frustration, even if it doesn't work for us very well. And so Peter decided to go fishing. The disciples joined him. And the Bible says they were out there all night long fishing, and they didn't catch a thing, nothing. Apparently they were bad at fishing. And so Jesus shows up on the shore of Galilee, and he's kind of messing with them a little bit. And he says, hey, have you caught any fish yet? And they said, no, we haven't caught a thing. We've been fishing all night. I haven't caught a thing. And he says, well, have you tried casting the net on the right side of the boat? And, and, and you know that they have. You know they have been. And they know the water's better than anybody. But he tells them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. And so they do it. They're obedient to his command. And it, the Bible says that the haul of fish was so great that they couldn't even pull it into the boat. It was a, a miraculous catch. And listen, the miracle was not in the fishing. The miracle was not in the net. The miracle was not in the words. The miracle was in the obedience. And I'm telling you today that your miracle's not in the job change. It's not in the salary. It's not in the move. It's not in the change. Your miracle's in the obedience. And so we don't worry so much about what you're doing. We worry more about who we are obeying. Because that's where the miracles lie. So let me just, for the last few minutes here, hit on how all of this ties in to our financial generosity, okay? 1 Timothy 6 says, Command those who are rich in his present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous. Everybody say generous. And willing to share 
in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Listen, church, this is the only thing I came to say today. We have been commanded by God the Father and in the manifest presence of Jesus Christ to be financially generous. We have been. Just as we've been commanded to love one another and to forgive one another and to show grace and mercy and to worship, we've been commanded to be financially generous. And his word promises you that, that when you're obedient to that, not only are you honoring God and showing him that you love him through your actions, your life goes better. And I got really good news for you. You heard me say this last week. I'm so confident in this that if you ever give to Cross Timbers Church this year and at the end of the year, you don't feel like your life has gone better. You don't feel like there's been a blessing in the middle of it. I'll give you your money back. And by the way, I've talked to several mega church pastors who have done this exact same thing. They call it the generosity challenge. And they all said not one person has ever asked for their money back. You know why I say that? That's not, just, that's not something I say to just be like for shock value or, or uh, to get you to give. I say it because there's a verse in Malachi that says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God says this, test me in this. Test me. It's the only place in scripture and the only subject in the Bible that God says, test me. You wanna find out? Test me. Because it goes on and says, See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. God says, test me in this, man. Test me. So I'm telling you, test them. What have you got to lose? Now, I know, too, that, like, there is a very practical element to living a generous life. And we want to help you with that too. Uh, we're not just going to get up here and, and, and have a raw, raw rally and encourage you and then not give you practical resources. And so that's why we have a financial freedom ministry. Uh, one of the ministries that we have is financial coaching. And these are people that um, have a love for finance and a love for the church. And at any point in time, they'd love to meet with you one-on-one, -on -one, free of charge, to talk about your budget, talk about your spendings and your savings, um, and how you can better yourself in the area of finances. So that's a resource we have for you. We also know that this is a big deal in marriage too, isn't it? Uh, being on the same page financially in your marriage will save you from a lot of arguments. And so we have a class called Marriage and Money that's in April. 
and uh, we have a little finance booth. If you go out here to the lobby and turn left, there's financial freedom ministry booth, and they'd love to talk to you about those things, but we want to help you as well with all that, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to receive an offering, and we're going to worship because singing and giving are both an act of worship. And so I'm going to ask that you stand up with me. Maddie's going to lead us. Let me, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a generous God. We remember that this week, that you are generous. And I pray that you would help us be obedient to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.